Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and today I'm joined by two of our librarian team, Thomas Clark and Joanne McEwen. Thomas is at Coatbridge Library and Joanne is from Motherwell Library. And the reason why the two of them are with us is because they're the two newest members of our librarian team, and I thought I would torture them a little bit by dragging them onto the podcast. Thomas, you've already been on it. Um, before, okay. but Joanne, this is your debut, and and I, I will be gentle on you, Joanne. Don't worry about it. We'll, yeah, we'll be we'll be <laughs> as kind as possible. So, thank you for joining me and taking part in this episode. So, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Chris. Now, first off, I thought we'd kind of find out a little bit more about you guys, and that's all kind of sort of theme behind this episode. Get get to know your librarian really a little bit, and um, first off, I'd find out what. what wanted to ask you guys what was what inspired what was the thing that inspired you guys to get involved in the library profession in the first place so thomas what was the reason why you decided to get into library work in in the past well i loved libraries as a kid like the, the growing up there was uh, i grew up in hamilton and there was a, a library church in the corner and around the other corner there was a fitba pitch and that was where i spent most of my life in one day two places or the other so Libraries were really important to me growing up, and but it never occurred to me to actually work in one until I was I'd left uni, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I went and I worked on uh, River City, the BBC soap opera. Oh really? Aye aye. It just started up then, so I was there in the first year that it was running, and it wasn't really for me. I wasn't enjoying it that much. I couldn't see what other you know what I was going what was going to come of it. And there was a guy who was working in the script department who just he'd quit a library masters in order to go and work in Riverside. And it never occurred to me that there were such things as masters in library science or that there was that it was an actual profession. So I did the opposite. I quit Riverside to go and do my library degree, and <laughs> I've never looked back since. I love working in libraries and. Um, feel privileged to be part of such an important, you know, something that's been important to me my whole life. Brilliant. And so basically what you're saying is that from your childhood, you went to the library, you played football and you weren't good enough to be a professional footballer, so you became a librarian instead. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that where we're really going with that? That's a bit the size here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joanne, what was, what was kind of your th- reason for getting into the working in the library? What was behind that? For me, it was just a love of reading. I mean, I learned to read when I was about three or four, and I was never without a book in my hand. I used to constantly have my mum going on at me, put that book down and go out and play like a normal child. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved reading. Then when I went to high school, I spent all my lunch times and break times in the school library. We had an absolutely brilliant librarian. She encouraged me to go for it and told me all about it. And I thought, what the heck? So I did, even though my mum wasn't happy because she wanted me to go for something better paid. <laughs> she wanted me to be a lawyer and a doctor. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the books. <laughs> we we aren't the best paid people in the whole entire world, but but we're a passionate lot as a librarians. <laughs> we we do feel very passionate about our job. And now both of you guys work in libraries that are quite a special place in my heart because I've worked in both the libraries that you guys are currently in, uh, working in uh, at Cobridge and Motherwell. Um, what has been your experiences so far with working in those libraries, Joanne? What is what have you kind of experience so far while working there? I'm just absolutely loving it. It's great fun. My mother has been going through a lot of changes recently with a whole refurbishment and rewiring. There's still loads going on to redo the entire upstairs. 
I've just been spent my entire time trying to get things back to some semblance of normality, getting all <laughs> activities back up and running, just getting everything back to normal. We're now back to full opening hours in Motherwell again. Yeah, just getting everything great. back. That's yeah. what I've spent my entire time doing. It's just been great fun. Yeah, it's great that we've managed to get Mother Live back to, to mm-hmm. kind of late nights and Saturdays and things like that because that was something that a lot of people were crying out for uh-huh. and it took a lot longer for us to get there with Mother Will, unfortunately, because of the works that were going on and things like that. So it is fantastic that we managed to get to that point and, and the the library members and Mother Will can kind of really kind of fully enjoy the library again and and we're even getting the classes and things like that back there, like you say, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's fantastic to get that back. All nice and shiny and new. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I haven't actually been over yet since it's kind of really it's kind nice. of open, so I'll need to kind of pop over and have a look about it, see what it's like and see all the fancy stuff that's happened since I, since I was last year. Um, Thomas, what about yourself? What about kind of Cobridge? What kind of um, experiences so far working in Cobridge? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. It's been the, the folk here, both the staff and the, the the customers are really friendly, really engaged people. There's, um, I've been living away from the Lanarkshire area for a long time, so coming back's been a wee bit of a, a wake up call in a lot of ways. But it's being back here and being back in the, the heart of things and being back in a place where libraries are really appreciated and like the libraries yeah. are, you know, there's a huge difference from authority to authority in terms of library provision and stuff. And here, you come into the library here and everything, all the newest books, big piles of them, everything that you're looking for, everything you could conceivably want to read is here. And unlike Joanne, I've not had to come here and set things up from scratch or to build up what's been notes done because thanks partially to Joanne, who was here at Coatbridge before I came, (laughs) thanks partially to Joanne and to the other members of staff, things have been running really well here. So I've just come into something that is already great and I'm trying to find ways to, to help make it even better. Yeah, and I, I I really like the the, new, the library in Cobridge. It's kind of one of our fairly more newest libraries that we've got in in the, the Buchanan Centre. Um, and naturally, Motherwell and Cobridge could be could be quite kind of more starkly different in terms of the in terms of that because it's a kind of more modern new library, whereas Motherwell's still in the old Carnegie Building and very traditional. And but both of them have got their kind of their sort of tw- quirks and, and benefits of of how they how they work and the, the kind of layouts and things like that sort of stuff and so it's nice that we've kind of got a kind of bit of a mix of that throughout the kind of whole district and different um sort of more traditional old style libraries buildings and some more modern ones as well so it's and, and they they work wherever they are as well so it's fantastic that we've got that uh, Thomas, you actually even highlighted some of the the sort of CV things that that you've had in the past before you joined us that are very interesting. Um, I know that there's a couple of other ones that is quite interesting as well. That I, I, I don't know obviously, but the River City one, which is fantastic. Um, but some of our younger readers might have seen that you mentioned on our library shelves already in the past, haven't they, Thomas? They might well have done. I have uh, been writing in, for a long time, and the things that I've been writing mostly, the things that certainly most folk have heard, are the Scottish translations, the kids' books that I write. I've started off doing that maybe five years ago, and since then I've written three translations of Diary Olympic kid books. I've written a Peppa Pig book in Scots. And just last year, I had a book, I had the first of the Lemony Snicket books come out in Scots, The Boggin Beginning. 
So I have been I've been writing in Scots for a while, and I'm not going around the libraries checking to see if they've got my books because I'm assuming <laughs> that people I'm assuming they'll never be on the shelves. You know, people will always be bothered borrowing yeah, them. Yeah, of course. Aye, so no, I've been working in, I've been working in uh, writing and I've been, you know, I, I love reading and writing in every capacity and the more I, the more I can do and the more I can do for a living, the better. Yeah, what what was the kind of, like, sort of thinking behind how you got into the idea of translating books uh, into Scots? Like, where, where, where did that inspiration come from to do that? Uh, well, before I came back, I'd been living in the borders for a long time. And in the borders, I don't know if you know Chris, but in the borders, Scots isn't seen as, it doesn't have the same social stigma that it sometimes does here in Lanarkshire. You know, here in Lanarkshire, everybody's got their phone voice, everybody's got their proper voice, and they've got their voice <laughs> that they use at home. And in the borders, it's not like that. You know, folk use Scots everywhere. They use it in the classroom, they use it when they go to the doctors, they use it in you know job interviews. Folk see Scots as being proper in a way that it doesn't may always get seen here. And so that reconnected me with my Scots. And there's a publisher called Echiku, who you'll know, do, know about, who have mm-hmm. been doing Roldal, mostly Roldal translations into Scots for a while. And they approached me and said, would you fancy doing something? And I was working in a school library at that point, and the book that I really thought was crying out to be translated into Scots was Diary Olympic Kid, which I, you know, I think the whole series yeah. of Diary Kid books are brilliant. And so that was the book that I started off translating. It worked really well. It got a lot of attention. There's a lot of folk in all over the world, not just Scotland, because you get expats all over the world who are interested in the Scots language. And it's just grown arm, arms and legs through there, really. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing to, to, to hear about how you can get into that. And it's great to kind of have that in our libraries as well and, and kind of the kind of keeping that kind of sort of Scots kind of language kind of sort of in the, the forefront a little bit and kind of promoting it as best we can and things like that. Totally. So it's, it's great to have. And Joanne, um, as you, you are new to our librarian team, but as Thomas hinted to earlier, you're not necessarily new to the North Lancashire Libraries. You have been about a few of our libraries before, different roles. Um, what sort of things have you done with us in the past? Um, I started off back in 2013 in Motherhole, funnily enough and log in to learn yeah. as a library assistant. Then I did a brief stint in lending again in Motherwell. Then moved to do, 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 Bales Hill as a supervisor. I also covered View Park for a year as a supervisor once a fortnight. <laughs> and I then moved to Coatbridge as a supervisor for a couple of years. <laughs> Pre-lockdown, I went back to Motherwell again as a digital assistant. But that was obviously very short-lived for, you know, obvious reasons. Yeah. And back to Coatbridge again, and then here I am now, back in Motherwell again. <laughs> I, think, I think you've travelled about the North Lancashire Library just about as much as, as I have, probably. <laughs> I've, I've kind of been a, around a few and worked on various ones as well. Um, some some of which are no actually even longer here. Uh, my my heart goes out to Whiffle Library that used to be uh, one mm-hmm. of our libraries that I used to be a supervisor in at one point. And uh, but it's, I think that's one of the great things about working libraries whenever you do kind of get to work in lots of different ones within the district because you get to see much different ways of working as well. Like the, the smaller branch libraries do work very differently from the kind of town mm-hmm. libraries. And also you've like I just you said you've moved about different sort of roles and within the libraries as well, working with the kind of login to learn team and um and working with lending, things like that sort of stuff. So it's it's 
fantastic to have that kind of different variety of tasks in your in your locker, as it were, and experiences and things like that for going forward. And it gives you a more rounded picture for now you become a little part of the librarian team, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, our team um, is split up into different themes, and our librarians do work in different responsibilities for different activities. Um, and uh, what what themes are you guys involved in for, uh, and what what sort of tasks and, and activities does that let you guys get involved in sorting out and things? So, Thomas, what what role is the, the what theme is it that your role kind of falls under? Well, my role fun falls under digital, Chris, which obviously has been a massive thing for libraries for the last couple of years, as you'll know better than anybody. We folk know being able to physically visit libraries, mm. we've been having to find ways to reach out to folk, to provide content, to provide experiences that they can't get through coming to the library while the libraries were shut or while they just didn't feel up to visit the libraries, because a lot of people still don't, a lot of people still are a wee bit anxious about going out and uh, being around other folks. So aye, the, my side of things is about providing digital content, about providing ways to reach out to folk who aren't ready yet to come out to the physical library, and of course to encourage people to start thinking about coming into the physical library again. It's, I, I see it as being yeah. providing access points for folk who maybe for one reason or another, only using the physical library, but they value libraries nevertheless. That's yeah. what I see in my role here as being. Fantastic. And Joanne, you are under a different theme, aren't you? Mother yeah. My theme is reader development, which the technical term is, it's about encouraging readers to expand their reading choices, share their experiences, and raising the status of reading as a creative activity. Fantastic. What that basically means <laughs> is that we buy books which offer people different choices, we encourage people to read different things through the use of displays and merchandising, we run book groups, we take part in national promotions like Book Week Scotland, bringing people together, sharing the joy of reading. That's in a nutshell. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I think it's great that we've got the uh, kind of different themes involved and people focusing on those different themes to try and kind of really kind of bring them to the forefront of the service and, and give it a bit of focus and kind of make sure that each kind of really important um, area really gets a really kind of proper focus and, and gets a, a good look at and, and can brought to the forefront by, within our service. Now, I thought that I would... That's that's us done the kind of more official part of the of the podcast. I thought we would kind of get to know you guys a little bit more on a slightly more personal level, I think, and and find out a little bit more about what you guys like, what you guys do when you're you're reading and things like that sort of stuff. So and I, and don't be too too scared. I'll I'll go gently on you guys, so don't be too worried about it. <laughs> and um, what I thought I'd start off with a nice easy one is: Is there a book that really set you off in the path of loving reading and potentially getting into kind of working in libraries? So, Joanne, what what was kind of started off your love of reading? I've mentioned this one before on World Book Night. It was Walk Through Cold Fire by Sin Forshe Lunsford. Book full of teenage angst and emotion. I've read it many times when I was young and sobbed my way through it every single time. The author, it was her debut novel, and she was only 17 or 18 when she wrote it, so you could really believe in the characters. Right. And I, I, I actually loaned it to everybody I know at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I would still feel the same way now if I read it, I'm not quite so sure. Do you <laughs> still have a copy of it? No, no, I do have a copy somewhere, <laughs> but I moved house last year and I can't find it. Oh, it's gone missing. Because I was thinking about that. 
it would be interesting to kind of see the because there are books out there that um, I think can capture their eye and things like that stuff that people do say that if you do that it's different kind of ages that they, mm-hmm. you get something completely different out of it so it'd be interesting to see if you did kind of have a different kind of feeling towards it now that right. you're kind of I'd be very interested to read it now as a parent yeah you know to see from the other side of the coin <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would, that would give her a different perspective on it and see, yeah. see what you thought of it. If you do find your, your copy of it, you will have to kind of come back on the podcast at some point and, and let us know what your thoughts on it. Yeah. Thomas, what about yourself? Is there a particular bit you remember kind of really started off your love of reading? Uh, well, I suppose Roald Dahl in general um, was was my entry point to reading. The first book I remember reading on my own, the first proper book anyways, was Fantastic Mr Fox. But Matilda was the one that really got me into reading. And I should say, by the way, both these books are also available in Scots. No by me, no by me. So I'm not personally profiting for this. Uh, they're both available in Scots. Brilliant translations by James Robertson and Anne Donovan. But Matilda in particular, because obviously... Matilda's about a hundred things and I was watching, I was kind of half watching the film when I was up at my mum's for Christmas there last year and I forgot how much happened in Matilda, like, you know, the whole subplot where being able to move things with her mind and that because all these things were actually less important and less interesting to me than the fact that she gets into reading and that her library is like her place, the, the way she escapes for the things in her life that aren't so great, her family and, her, you know, her, and the rest of it. So that really inspired me as a, as a kid, reading about Matilda, reading about Matilda challenging herself because there's a big bit about where Matilda moves on through reading certain kinds of books and she starts reading mere and mere complicated books, she starts reading classics, there's a wee list of all the books, Tessa, the Durper Bills and that that she reads. And that really reinforced to me how important libraries were, not just to me, but to everybody who uses them. And I, Matilda's something I come back to and I don't think... You know, even have, have the last time I read it was in Scots, and that was a few years ago. But I don't think it, it loses anything over the years. I don't think you come back to it and you're like, oh, no, this is different from what I thought it was. I think it's just as good news as it ever was. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things about the Rodale books. I think they are quite kind of classic and timeless, really. They, they, mm-hmm. they kind of, you still have that kind of same kind of feeling of, of kind of excitement and adventure, uh, no matter what time you kind of read them at, which. It's maybe why they are so highly regarded as, as, as classic kind of children's books, I suppose. Now, the next the next question is a biggie, right? This is a very important question. Now, do you use a bookmark or do you fold the pages as as your bookmark? Joanne, confession time, do you fold pages? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is one of my pet hates. <laughs> that said, I don't actually use a bookmark either. I use whatever I have to hand. You'll find well, anything in my books. <laughs> I, I, t- I tend to use a, an old photograph, I have to admit. Uh, not, not an old photograph, but just a photograph uh, as my bookmark. So it's, that's that's my, what I tend to use. Um, it's, speaking, uh, speaking of which, Chris, if anyone has lost any photographs, there's a good chance we found them in some of our library books. Thomas, what about you? Uh, do you please don't tell me you you, you fold pages? I'm not a page folder. I'm not a page. <laughs> but like you, I don't tend to have actual bookmarks. My thing is, 
I read a lot on the train, and so most of my books have got train tickets in them and <laughs> marks. And and that's kind of a fun wee thing as well, because you revisit a book and you find a train ticket, and you're like, what was I doing in Perth that day? What was I doing? <laughs> so the book becomes not just a, something that you read, but it becomes a part of your past in a way. And so I, oh, but nay, nay, fold me corners for me. No, it, yeah. it just. Uh, Working in a school library, you see everything that can possibly be done to maltreat a book, and you just never get it. You never get it. <laughs> that is one of the interesting things I think about working in libraries. You do see a variety of uh, bookmarks that, that are kind of left, or things used as bookmarks left in books sometimes when they're handed back, and they, they can vary dramatically from photographs to two tickets to. Other postcards. More, it's got a lot of postcards. Yeah, postcards is another good one. Um, and but I, I do, I, I do kind of vaguely remember. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's one of those kind of myth things or whether it's like a, it actually happened or not. But I do remember kind of something about somebody leaving a bit of bacon in a book at one point and stuff like that, which is just bizarre and just weird. And don't do that, folks. If you're listening, don't leave things about uh, of bacon in the books. But um, yeah, so that's good to know. I did actually think I have a bit of a follow-up to this one as well, which, which is a bit of catching you guys off guard. I have passed on a few other questions to you, but it's, it's related. It's cracking spines. Do you do you are, are you a spine cracker in the book, or do you try and keep them nice and, and, and intact, Joanne? I try and you? keep them nice and intact. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, pains me. <laughs> Uh, Thomas, what about yourself? Absolutely same. I can't stand to see people. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen, but I've, in, on Twitter, there's, there's like so, there's somebody who's posted up that they cut thick books in two, like you know, oh, yeah, I have seen that. and I'm just like, ah, no, I can't handle it. I oh, can't handle it. That that gives me the, the absolute fear of seeing that one. I have seen what you're talking about on, on Twitter before and my goodness, that is like the worst thing I have ever seen. How dare they do that to a book? Why would you? Just why yeah. would you? No, if it's too heavy for you, just don't read it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, um, next question is, do you have a preference over whether you, you read a traditional Kind of paper book or do you like ebooks and i am the services librarian here so you, um, you may potentially break my heart here a little bit with this answer but joanne what, what's your preference i have to confess i am an ebook reader <laughs> the convenience of being able to pull out your phone at any time and just start reading and then when i finish something i don't need pre-plan i just jump onto borrow box and borrow something else so much easier Nice, nice plug there for Joe, for Bob Bush. Well done. I thought so. <laughs> and Thomas, what about yourself? Uh, like a lot of librarians, I felt really hostile towards ebooks when they first became a thing, and I thought, oh well, no, this is me out of a job as a librarian, as a writer, as everything. I'm going to be, you know, living on the streets because of these things. <laughs> so I felt I've always felt really protective of physical books, and I think physical books are brilliant on a number of levels, just like we were talking about, about how they can represent periods of your past. How I remember at yeah. uni there was a English lecturer who used to give a lecture specifically on the idea of books as furniture, and obviously, you know, we work in places where books are furniture, and there's no better furniture than a physical book. But I do now see the appeal of e-books, and I particularly see the appeal, just like Joanne was saying, actually, I see the appeal of being able to carry a book with you, a thousand books or whatever, mm -hmm. and no, you know, no need to bring a big wheelbarrow with you wherever you go. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant to be able to carry more than one book with you. If you're no fancy initially on the train or on holiday or whatever, you change to the next gen, or through BorrowBox, you borrow another gen. 
I, I do see the appeal of ebooks, and I certainly think there's a place for both physical and ebooks in the the world of libraries. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I I do, although I am the social library and I do champion ebooks as possible as much as possible, and the audiobooks I have to add, and the magazines, but. I, I do, I do have an appreciation for both as well. I think that's, I think if uh, if you are a kind of lover of books, I think whenever it comes to like the, the books that I really, really love, I do like to have a paper copy of it. I have to admit, um, I am a bit of a book hoarder, and then, and then I do kind of buy the the books that I really, really love, and uh, I do need to have a paper copy of them. But the, but the kind of the brilliance of of something like Borrowbox, where you can kind of download and get access to thousands of books and stuff like that, and at the touch of a button on your iPad or your phone or whatever is, is fantastic and so much more convenient for whenever you go on holiday as well because, you know, weights on aeroplanes and things like that, they do, uh, books do weigh a little bit of weight, so they, it's much easier uh, to have it on your phone. So you and go. like you say, Chris, if you love books, then you're always collecting them and no always have got infinite physical space. So, you know, if, yeah. you, if you can collect a few physical books, but a load of e-books, then it just makes things that much easier <laughs> in terms it of does. finding space it in the does. Rest of them. It does. I am. I do. At home, I am tripping over books a lot, but at the moment, and uh, it pains me to think of what, of what I could possibly have to do to some of them. But, uh, but uh, well, it's, it's a, I suppose a forever problem for book lovers of of finding spots to put the books away in in your home. Um, but yeah. So next question is, um, what um, is your favourite book of all time? Nice easy one. Does it differ a little bit from the one that's the kind of one that kicked off your love of reading? I wonder. So, Joanne, what is your favourite book of all time? Now, this this is a very tough question. There's there's just so many books out there to love, <laughs> and it's, I find it quite difficult not to find something to love about a book, some kind. Although I'm going to be a wee bit controversial here and tell you one that I don't like, <laughs> which you've not long finished reading, Chris Chuggy Bane. Well, I've not actually finished reading it yet. I have to admit, I'm still kind of in the middle of reading it, but... I yeah. gave up on it. <laughs> oh, really? That, do you know that you're the first person that's actually told me that? So that's interesting. So what what, what was your reasons? What, what did it was you, what just did you think? too depressing for words. Oh, I just couldn't cope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is just not. <laughs> I tend to read nowadays to be cheered up. So reading something like that just brings me down and I think, I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> <laughs> So, but do you do you have a favourite one you want to mention as well, though? I think I'd have to stick with the one that I mentioned earlier. Walk through cold fire. Fantastic. I really need to find that copy. <laughs> <laughs> we really do, we really do, because I think we we tried to get it for the World Book Night thing. I think we tried oh. to kind of see if we could see it then, and we couldn't find one to get a photo or things like uh, that. Out of front. If I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, Thomas, what about yourself? Uh, do you have a favourite book? Uh, aye, my favourite book is Invisible Cities by an Italian author called Islo Calvino. And it's about, it's it's kind of magic realism. And it's about Kublai Khan and Marco Polo meeting up. And Marco Polo, nobody only speak Kublai Khan's language. And Kublai Khan, nobody only speak Marco Polo's language. And Marco Polo, every chapter is Marco Polo trying to describe a city that he's been to without using language to Kublai Khan, like he'll set out chessboards or he'll, basically it's it's, it's um, every chapter is a wee segment where Marco Polo tries to describe these fantastical cities that couldn't exist in real life. And it's not a long book and like I say I spend a lot of time reading books on trains and when I was working at River City Family and I've had a long train journey to Dumbarton every day and I used to read 
I mean, I must have read Invisible Cities like once a week, once a month, you know, for the whole time I was working it. Because uh, it was just long enough to read on that train journey. <laughs> and it made the whole thing bearable, both the train journey and working at River City. It's an absolutely gorgeous <laughs> book. And I, I, that was 20 years ago that I read it for the first time. And I've still not read anything that beats it. I love all it's local Vino's books, don't get me wrong, but Invisible Cities, if you've not read it, takes an hour, maybe two hours at your day, change your life. Fantastic. And the next one is what are you reading right now? So what is what is what have you got got you turning the pages of of uh, the book you're reading right now? So Thomas, what are you reading at the moment? Well, I've been getting into uh, I've been you know, you get into the periods where there's a author that you can't stop reading. You've just you read their first book and you're like, right, I'm gonna read everything by this person forever. <laughs> and I've been gone through that with Christopher Isherwood. I, I read um the Berlin stories at the start of this year. You, you maybe know that the Berlin stories are the stories that Cabaret, the film, was based on. And I've been meaning to read them for a while, and that's since then. Every time I pick up a book by somebody other than Christopher Isherwood, I'll get a couple of chapters in. And I'm like, no, wait, I'm going to try. I'm going to go read that Christopher Isherwood. <laughs> so right now, I'm reading Lines and Shadows, which is his thinly veiled autobiography of him being at Cambridge and the. Uh, the poets and the writers who he knew back then it's I can't I just I can't put down Christopher Isherwood right now I've there's a lot of him and I can't see me stopping until I've read them all which could take the rest of this year but start with if anybody's interested in Christopher Isherwood and isn't sure honestly start with Berlin stories kick on for there and that'll be you entertained for the rest of the the year you'll no need Netflix you'll no need (laughs) Disney plus you'll get on fine just with these books Fantastic. And Joanne, what about yourself? What are you reading at the moment? I'm reading Hide by Craig Russell. The reason I'm reading it is because it's my book group book for this month. Ah. It's uh, based in Victorian England and it's a take on the age of Jekyll and Hyde story. And it begins with Hyde recounting his story to Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, I'm not that far into it yet, so can't tell you too much, but it's something a wee bit different. That's what I was going for when I picked it, because it's a crime book group I take, and I feel yeah. as if it's the same stuff all the time. And I thought, well, that's a wee bit different. So, yeah, it's, all bit, it's a little bit off the beaten track of the kind of like uh-huh. crime fiction by numbers type thing. Aye. Right. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. So that's got some good kind of book recommendations and and that the, our listeners can kind of get stuck into as well. I thought I'd round off uh, my questions with you guys by asking you what has been your most favourite experience so far of being a librarian. So Joanne, what have has been your kind of or working in a library in general? So what was your what has your been been your most favourite experience so far? Do you think? I think the favourite thing I've done was running code clubs. Yeah. See, getting a group of kids, and there's always one who is really quiet and shy and doesn't like to get involved in but then yet they're wild <laughs> it's just amazing <laughs> to see how they come on and come out themselves and get involved it's great fun i love doing things like that fantastic and thomas what about yourself what's kind of been your favorite thing so far kind of the same like i've been working in school libraries for a long time before i came yeah. here and working with kids is you know it's really restorative and it just replenishes your spirit it's a, it's a brilliant thing to do. And one of the, i've never done code clubs unlike joanne but one of the things that always really loved about working in a school library and about working libraries generally is when you get a quiet kid who comes in 
and they think we're the only person in the world that is interested in X, and they'll come in and they'll say, <laughs> oh, have you got any books about have you got this or that? Have you got books about Vikings? Have you got books about Greeks? Have you got any Attack on Titan? You know, manga's a big, and they'll always come in and be like, oh, have you got Attack on Titan? And they're so delighted when not only have you got Attack on Titan, but you've read it and you know what it is, and they're not the only <laughs> person in the world that likes Attack on Titan. And suddenly this kid had nothing to say for themselves 30 seconds ago. You know, they'll just talk for hours about Attack on Titan or Vikings or whatever it is happened to be interested in. And the libraries provide that connection for folk, and it's an especially yeah. important connection for, for younger folk. It's a connection to other people who are like them and a reminder that they're no the only person in the world that is into X, Y or Z, be it you know, history, be it coding, be it Minecraft, be it Japanese manga. It's that in I never stopped getting a feel for that. I haven't yet, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah, I, I do think that, that children in the library is, is a kind of special thing, and it does kind of allow for special experiences and things like that as well. I was trying to think about my own whenever I was thinking about this question, and whenever I was basically doing your, the job you're currently doing, Joanne, um, I... I had quite a few kind of class experiences and things like that that were really really fun and and just you had that kind of like say the the excitement and and things that the kids do and then I, and actually one of the classes actually sent me a card afterwards and and like as a thanks and things like that and I've still got the card to this day um the old the old soppy romantic that I am we kept it and and uh, and uh, and and we also at one point we had a reader in residence Jane Graham who had organised a fantastic uh, day at Mother Library and they had got a, a lot of the Christmas books that were coming out just before Christmas to be brought to the library and basically we had a class come along and it was like they were basically reviewing the the, the kind of Christmas books that were coming out for an issue of the big issue. Um, that was happening and so uh, they um, they got to kind of flick through them all and at the end of it they got to keep a book and it, and it was like they actually got to keep the book because it wasn't an actual library book it was a kind of promotional one from the big issue that, that supplied them and they, it was just great for like an hour of having a whole class of kids running about grabbing different books having a look at them reading through them and just the general excitement in the library was fantastic and and i think i think probably most librarians have some kind of experience something kind of similar to that where they've kind of great experience with a, a, a kids group or a kind of class or whatever and and it's definitely kind of a nice thing to, to witness in the library and see that excitement and hopefully the, the love of reading can be kind of instilled and this sort of new generation of kids that are coming through so that's fantastic so but that's your question again all done guys so you've managed to survive so thank you very much for taking part and uh, and i hope our listeners got a little bit out of that and kind of got to know you guys a little bit better as well and and kind of can they kind of relate to you guys a little bit better whenever they come across to any of the groups and things like these guys are running in their libraries in the future so um thank you for that a few little updates on our service before we finish up let's go summer is underway and we have got lots and lots of fantastic summer activities going through throughout all our libraries throughout summer for kids to get involved in you can check them out on our website if you go to www.culturenail.co.uk and check out the Let's Go Summer pages and you'll find out all the events that are happening. We have got some fantastic events, including some kind of digital themed ones as well, which is fantastic by the Login to Learn team. 
and they are all fantastic. And we have also still got the, the World Poetry Day competition, National Poetry Day competition running, which was launched on World Poetry Day earlier in the year, where you can get your poem published on Box. and Thomas and I will be selecting that or helping to select the, the poems that will go into that collection later in the year and it will go live on National Poetry Day for everyone in North Lancashire to have a read that and so you can get your, your poem published and read by the rest of the, the library service if you want to get involved in that and you can find out more about that at www.culturenail.co.uk slash poetry competition and it's got all the details there for that to do as well and the other big thing that is finally underway this summer is the summer reading challenge everybody loves the summer reading challenge and kids love it and it's get, great to kind of get them involved in summer reading throughout the summer holidays it gives them the chance to come into the library pick some books read and get prizes and who doesn't like that and at the end if they get to the end of the challenge they get a medal and a certificate so it's a win for everyone involved and it's really really good and it's all up and running now and the theme this year is um gadgeteers i think if that's yeah. right and um, you can sign up for it in your local library. So do go along and find out all about it and sign up and take part. And so that'd be fantastic. This is the final episode of the current season of the podcast, but we will be back very soon. So don't worry, we won't be leaving you hanging for too long. We hope you've enjoyed this run of episodes. And if you want to leave us a little bit of feedback on the podcast, you can do by using the hashtag, F- hashtag FLB podcast or by dropping us an email to librarypodcast at northland.gov.uk. But that's all for us for now, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back with a new season very, very soon. Bye, guys!